Welcome into the Legend Rewind podcast. I'm Rusty Ellis today, joined by former Monterey legend Michael Cody. Michael, I have to ask. I ask everyone this the first for the first question. Uh, what what does it mean to you to have that name or that that word applied to your name? A legend, man. I don't feel like I'm old enough to be a legend <laughs> yet, to be honest with you. But um, it's uh, it's an honor. You know, it's 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 fun to be able to see a lot of hard work pay off and to be considered with some of the names that have uh, been in this area. You know, I know you've had Jared Phillips and Peyton and Coach West and some other of the local basketball players. So it's kind of an honor to be uh, to be breathed in that same conversation. I know that it's kind of it's got to be a little surreal, right? Because I know that nobody nobody plays high school sports. At least I, I wouldn't imagine kids play high school sports nowadays with the thought of, you know, years after they leave being called legends, right? I agree. Um, I think that the most important thing is and, and we don't grasp it a lot of times till we get older is just to be in the present. And, and we kind of take that for granted when we're kids. And when we're younger, we get to kind of live in the present and do what we want to do, go out and play basketball and enjoy it and love it. Um, and you don't really think about legacy that much. And that's something you consider later on. Um, so it's nice to be able to come back and be able to, you know, whether it's coaching camps or whether it's helping out with this younger generation, just to try to, you know, convey some of the things I've learned. Um, it, it's very fun. I, I, like I said, I don't feel like the tag legend might be appropriate for me, but you know, <laughs> we'll take it in this situation. It's kind of flattering. <laughs> so so tell me, man, uh, what what's kind of your first memory of basketball? What would you what, what's the first thing you remember of the game? Um, the first thing I remember personally, um, I'm the youngest of five kids, and oh, wow. so yeah, my oldest brother was ten years older than me, so we were all pretty close together. And I remember just being out on a dirt basketball court out at the farm we used to live on, um, and I was so terrible, but and I was little, <laughs> and my two older brothers were kind of beating up on me. Even my sisters were beating up on me. Um, and I just, I just remember having that competitive edge and always wanted to beat my brothers so bad. Um, and that kind of breath, the whole competitive nature that I still hold to this day. It builds character, right? When you, when, when your brothers and your sisters are beating up on you, it builds character, right? I hope so. I hope that's what it built. <laughs> so I have to ask how many, how many arguments or fights were started out there? Cause I, and I, again, I always ask that whenever, you know, it's, it involves siblings that played the same sports. You know, I talked to the the Strong family last week, you know, because uh, obviously, you know, Grant Strong from uh, Clay County. I talked to his family last week and his older sister talked about it, how they would get into it. Uh, was that ever the same case with you? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's uh, emotions running high, especially when you're younger, because we all grew up together. And me and the brother that's close to me, he's three years older than me. Um, we are both really, uh, really competitive and um we just love to compete at in all phases. We'd make up our own games, whether it was basketball, football. We'd make up our own games just to cure our own boredom. And we were so competitive. Neither of us like to lose. And and still to this day, I think some of my success in athletics is due to the fact that my brothers never let me win and they never pitied me. And as much as that really wasn't fun during the time, uh, it, it I think it worked out in the long run because, like you said, it builds character. Um, and, and that competitive edge was always there from, from all my siblings, even my sisters, uh, very competitive and never gave me any, uh, any leg up. It's got to also be a good, it's basketball had to be a good bonding tool. Cause you mentioned your oldest brother was 10 years older than you. Um, you know, when you're all there in, uh, you know, you're all at that similar age and you're all able to actually play the game together at some, in some capacity at home, it's got to be good as a bonding tool too. Right. It was great. Um, it was great. It was something that, and 
I mean, there's so many things you learn about playing basketball, but, you know, to be able to just sit in at the kitchen table and, and everybody talk about, you know, have something common to talk about because we're all, all five of us are very different and we have very different interests, but we've all shared that experience of playing with each other in the backyard and playing organized at some level or another. It's, uh, it's great for bonding and it's great to be able to kind of uh, find common ground when, when a lot of other things fail. So when did you begin playing organized basketball for the first time? Um, organized. So a little bit of a background for me is um, I was born in Pennsylvania. When I was five, I moved to Tennessee. Okay. And I actually moved, speaking of, uh, you were talking about the Strongs, I actually lived in Clay County um, from ages five to ten. Um, and I grew up, I played a little league basketball there, you know, like community center. And I actually, um, I played with Tyreek Key a little bit growing Ooh. up when I was very little. So that's a little name drop for you, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I was never, I was never quite as good as him. I remember there were always two teams in our league. It was because, you know, Clay County is so small. There was, there's a team that I was on, the team that Tyreek was on, and we never won. We played each other every week and we never won. So um, yeah, that was a little bit of a fun story, but uh that was kind of my earliest memory of organized basketball, even though that wasn't really organized because we were like seven or eight, you know, just running around in circles, just doing whatever, traveling with the ball, just trying to get it up to the rim as best we could. Mm -hmm. um, but from there on, um, I joined a middle school basketball team when I was in fifth grade, I believe. And that was mainly because my older brother was playing and I wanted to play alongside him. Um, he was in eighth grade at the time, so he kind of helped me. And then from there on, I was just hooked. I, uh, I always loved, I loved football and basketball. And then when I got older, my, uh, my parents kind of made me choose one sport to play um, mm -hmm. just because they wanted me to be involved in other things outside of sports and, and kind of become well-rounded as a person. So maybe choose a sport and end up being basketball. Cause I was in like seventh grade and I was already, you know, like five, 10 or five, 11. <laughs> so it was kind of a, you know, kind of a decision that was made for me in a way. Just towering over kids. Just it's not fair at that point, right? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, tell me, when you were learning the game, because a lot of people talk about at the elementary and the middle school level, the game's more about development. And then obviously you get to high school and it's about competition. It's about winning at that point. Mm -hmm. um, even though you can make a case that obviously all of it's for development. Uh, what part of the game came easy to you? Um. I always love to shoot and love to score, but I wouldn't say that came the easiest for me just okay. because um, when I was, when I was younger, I actually uh, kind of like shot the ball with two hands and it was up until like sixth or seventh grade that I was actually taught by um, like a basketball tutor here. He was kind of a, a legend in his own right before he passed away. Um, his name was coach Bob Dawson and um, he would coach and run camps and stuff in Cookville. And uh, he taught me how to shoot the right way. So I, as much as I'd like to say scoring came natural, I, I like to think that I've always had a gift to pass the ball. I, for me, in general, outside of sports and inside of sports, I'm more of a cerebral person. I like to be able to understand the way things work. And so, you know, while it might not necessarily be certain play sets and everything um, that, that I can get into, I feel like I've always had the ability to see when defenses shift and when players move. And being a post, it's kind of a, a slept-on ability to pass the ball. So a lot of guys, when you get into the post, especially at a younger age and less developed, people are expecting you to make a move and go score. When in reality, I can make a move. I can bring doubles to me. I can find people in the corner. I can kick out to the wings. I can find people cutting. So I'd like to think that um, a passing has been one of those things that I, I'm not necessarily – I wouldn't, I don't like to use the word gifted because it, mm -hmm. it applies that you don't you know put a lot of effort into it because I do. But that's one of those things that I feel like I've had a natural bend towards more than any other skill. 
you know, I would let's dive a little bit deeper into that because I feel like when you look at the uh, you look at the NBA, for example, there are so many big men in the league right now that are talent that are talented passers. I think the two that stick out right now the most are obviously Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Mark Gasol back in his prime was one of the best passing big men in the league as well. Uh, how important is he, is it in your opinion for a post player to add that to their game where they are a good passer and they're able to find you know players that maybe other big men aren't able to find on the court as easily? I think it's incredibly important, um, especially with the way the game has become uh, so evolved in the past few days. The, you know, the three-point shot is becoming more uh, important. And as that means, what that means for a big is that a big needs to be able to step out and hit threes. And it does no good if a big steps out and hit threes if he can't space the floor and pass the ball. Because if you've got, if you're playing some sort of five out or a four out one in, um, you lose all your advantage of a big if you can get doubled. And I see a lot of people in high school, you see bigs that are talented that are, you know, especially in the upper Cumberland, if you have mm-hmm. a 6'8", 6'9", guy that towers over everybody else, they can get score. They can get to, to the rim very easily. They can score very easily. However, if they're doubled or something like that, a lot of them don't have the skill to kick the ball out, to get it out to the wings, to find the mismatches that are caused by doubling. So especially mm-hmm. in the NBA and college, it's so important to be able to pass the ball because the floor is more spaced. When you guys got when you when you have guys out at the NBA three line in high school, you know because people are learning to shoot the ball so well, as opposed to the regular three point line, it spreads the floor. It creates more space. It creates more alleys for cutters. Um, it creates more distance. And and just having a big that can pass the ball creates so much more of a differential for teams. Um, and it's one of those high ceiling things that a lot of good teams need is at least one passer from the post that can do it really well. So one question I'm interested to hear your answer to then is, so I'm, I'm assuming you, when you were younger, I'm assuming you watched a lot of the game as well, right? Uh, actually, it's kind of funny. I didn't get a chance. Oh, to. Wow. I was, um, I loved football and um, growing up all the way until my freshman year of college, we actually never had cable TV. So I, okay. I relied a lot on watching highlights on YouTube and stuff, which I love that in my own right. But um, as far as like watching the game, I didn't really get to watch full games and stuff, which is, you know, kind of, I've had a weird path. So <laughs> I got my basketball career. Excuse me. So then let's, uh, let, let me ask you this. Where do you think the game has changed the most from when you were younger to now? Where do you think the game has changed the most and evolved the most? Um, I really think that the way the game has evolved is created the way that it's changed the most, I think, is the differential between the different levels of, of talent. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is the difference between high school to college is so vast and the difference between the college to the NBA is so vast and the way the game is played and the play styles. You know, you see a lot of like, team atmosphere in college. You see a lot of, um, a lot, you know, a lot of good passing. You don't see as much. You don't see a lot of Steph Curry's in college. Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't. It's not how the game works. And um, I listened to an NBA GM, Daryl Morey, talk about mm-hmm. the difference in recruiting college players and, and looking for them for, as draft prospects. And he says that it's so difficult to do. There's so many busts in the NBA draft because it's pretty much a different game from college to the NBA. He says it's almost like a different sport entirely. Um, and I think that's the case from me being able to see the transition between high school to college. It's almost the exact same way. Um, you know, guys in high school that can absolutely go out and dominate and play a certain style, don't get that luxury in college, even at the lowest levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that to me is, is where the game's evolved, where you're seeing a completely different play style from college to the NBA, where it might not have always been that way. 
One thing I've always believed, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if you believe the same, is that I've always said that, you know, you go when you go from high school to college, one of the other biggest differences for me is that, you know, somebody that was the guy in, in high school, you get to college and just about everybody you play with at some point was the guy, you know, mm-hmm. at, at their own school. And then when you go from college to the NBA, it's the same thing. You know, everybody at some point was the guy. You just, you know, you grow into your role and you learn from there. Do you find that to be the case as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the big things about being able to develop in college is what I've noticed about some coaches. And it, it really depends on your coaching style. But a lot of guys, especially role players who aren't necessarily ready to come into college and be that guy the same way they were in high school, they have to break their ego. And then that was even the case for me, which I don't I don't think that I personally have like a, a big ego when it comes to basketball. But even me, I had to break down everything what I thought I knew to be able to be humbled enough to um, to learn and develop and to take advantage of all the things that the coaches were, you know, ready to show. Um, so that change is, is, is massive. Um, but if you approach it with the right mindset, if you come into it knowing um, as a high school player going into college uh, that, that that's going to be the case, it becomes a lot easier for you. And I'll never forget a quote I heard from um, Brian Scalabrini. He's, you know, one of the fan favorites in the NBA, never really, he was always a bench player. <laughs> But um, he had a situation where he played one-on-one with a, a guy at a local rec center mm-hmm. and beat him like 11-0. And he said he the guy was talking trash to him the whole time and um, before the game. And then Brian Scalabrini goes out and beats him, and um, the guy never scored a point. And Brian Scalabrini says, and I'll never forget this, he says, the differential between you to me is less than the differential – or is is less than the differential for me to LeBron James, like the best player in the NBA. So mm-hmm. I'm closer to being the greatest in the NBA – I'm closer to that than you are closer to being as good as me. One of my favorite quotes from an NBA player. I love it. It's unreal. So let's talk, let's get back to you then. So what was it like when you got to the high school level as a freshman, what was kind of the adjustment level for you at that point? So, like I said, I had a little bit of a a weird, um, I guess, not necessarily approach, but I had a a different path than normal. I, so I was um, homeschooled through middle school and I played on a homeschool basketball team called Daniel one Academy. That's in um, my freshman and sophomore year. And um, a lot of that was the decision of my parents and everything. And just because of where I was at, um, they felt like it was what was uh, best for me. Mm -hmm. And so I I was able to go there and the talent level there is just, you know, a little bit less than uh, what you expect at the high school level. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I played really well there. My sophomore year, I was averaging like 23 and 12. And I felt like I was, you know, up for more of a challenge. I knew at that point that I was building the skills that I might be able to um, play at the college level. And for me, that was really important because I wanted to go get my education and and being kind of a financially centric guy. I was like, hey, if I'm going to go get my college education, regardless, I kind of want to get it paid for while I do the thing that I love. So um, I made the decision to, uh, find a local school. And there was a, there was actually a bill passed a couple of years before that called the Tim Tebow bill mm-hmm. that allowed for homeschool uh, players to, you know, transfer where they wanted to or play on a public school team um, while they were being homeschooled. So I actually made the switch to uh, go to Monterey. I, I had the option to go look at Upperman and Cookville, but I'd known coach West from um, playing a little bit of AAU basketball back in middle school. And I knew a lot of the guys on the team. So my junior year, I decided to, um, switch up to Monterey but the gap between you know playing homeschool basketball to Monterey was was a was a vast one just because um the different level of how seriously people take it 
um, for a lot of the, like the, the homeschool teams, it was kind of like an extracurricular. It was just one of those things you do for fun. And for mm-hmm. me, that's never been me with sports. I, I'm, I'm competitive almost to a fault in everything I do. So for me, I take it very seriously, whereas my teammates necessarily weren't seeing it the same way that I was. And I was getting frustrated. So um, then I went to, to Monterey and, and things are a lot different there. People play the game because they want to win. They play the game because they're competitive. And so that was, that was a big adjustment for me, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be the same player if I didn't have either of those experiences. If I hadn't played a Daniel one, I wouldn't be the same person or player. And if I hadn't switched to Monterey, I wouldn't be nearly the same person or player. So both of them had their advantages and disadvantages, but it's a, it's a little bit of a weird, you know, situation the way it came about. So I'm curious. So you said you looked at Upperman and Cookbull as well. And I mean, obviously I, I've got great respect for coaches at all three, at all three places right now as you know, we cover them all. Um, I'm curious, what, what was, was, was coach West, was he the major deciding factor in you going to Monterey? Was that relationship with him? Was that ultimately the main thing that led you there? Yeah. Um, pretty much that in, I mean, the, the brand new school didn't hurt things at all either. Uh, you know, having <laughs> a like, nice new facility and gym and all that. Um, plus I just, <clears throat> I had played AU with a lot of guys there, Dalton Coleman, Ty West and, um, Peyton and, and, uh, Jackson Troyer and, um, I had known them and I was more comfortable with that decision. Um, <clears throat> so it was, it was, it was a pretty easy decision. Um, I, I think I gelled a lot more with Monterey, even though it took, it took pretty much all of junior year to really get my legs under me. You know, I went mm-hmm. the difference between junior year coming in and averaging, you know, eight points a game and a couple of rebounds. I believe those are my stats. And then the senior year, um, you know, being runner up for district MVP and, and averaging the 17 and, um, 17 and 10 or 11 or whatever it was, it was a, it was a big jump, but, um, yeah, the idea of going to Monterey was a pretty easy decision for me just because I knew, I kind of knew what I was getting into, which is more than most people can say when they get into their high school careers or college. So tell me, what was your favorite thing about playing for coach West? Because I've heard obviously a couple of players rave about him and, 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 and one of the things I feel like I constantly hear about him is how much he trusts you as a player that, you know, if you, if you're out there and you're giving, you know, your effort on defense, he's one of those that he gives you that freedom on offense or he gives you that trust on offense to maybe take a shot that otherwise he wouldn't. Uh, what, what was your favorite thing about playing for him? Well, you're exactly right about that. And um, the level of freedom he gives to his players. And But my favorite thing personally and something I kind of took for granted um, while he was uh, coaching and while I played for him, one of the things I took for granted was kind of the ability that he has to understand every individual player that he's coaching. He's coaching individuals. He's not coaching a team, which I love. I mean, he brings a team together in a good atmosphere, but I've had a lot of coaches throughout the course of my career, whether they be assistants or head coaches, you know, they try to motivate everybody the same way, whether it's screaming at you, whether it's trying to convince you why you need to play hard. And coach West never had to do that. He, he, he coached individuals because the way that I learn versus the way that another player on my team learns and whether another player, you know, we're all different and we all perceive the game differently and we have different things that motivates us. And he had an, an absolute knack for being able to figure out what it exactly it was that motivates you and be able to play to that strength. I'm not some guy that, you know, when I'm on the court responds well to being screamed at, yelled at, it's just not like in my nature. And Coach West very rarely ever pulled me out of the game and, and you know, had harsh words for me. He was more so like the nurturing style. But for other guys, he would provide the harsh words. And it was mm-hmm. – he had this ability to just assess every single situation as an individual situation. And I think that helped um, a lot of his players just grow so much, not only in basketball, but in life and becoming uh, men. And that's one of the things that I think is so overlooked – 
not only in his coaching style, but uh, in the coaching styles of other coaches that uh, take similar approaches. One thing I've also heard is that it's easy to play. It, well, I'm not going to say easy to play for him because I'm sure I'm sure he his he has high he had high expectations for all of his teams. Um, but one of the one of the other qualities that a lot of people liked about him was that it felt it, it never felt like he didn't care about you. It seemed like he treated you like family and he cared about you as the person more so than the athlete. Uh, did you find that to be true? Oh yeah. I mean, for for a perfect example of this, I <clears throat> excuse me, I um was in junior year of high school and I didn't have my license yet. I didn't have a car to drive. And you know, I live in Cookville and I went to Monterey mm-hmm. um, and he also lives in Cookville. So he would give me a ride back from practice or give me a ride um, to practice some days when my parents would be working and I wouldn't have the chance to uh, get there myself. And he would go above and beyond just, you know, sometimes he'd take us out to eat and he would take care of the players like they were all his own children. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be grateful for that because he showed me, you know, the, the type of leadership, not only from a coaching style, but, you know, the way that he handled Peyton and Ty and all that. It was just he's a class act from top to bottom. And every individual on his team, um, unless they're actively trying to feel like they're excluded, should feel like they are um, they're part of a family. And that's mainly due to Coach West and his style. Let's take a look at the basketball part of all this because the one thing that sticks out when you play at a school like Monterey is, and I think you'll agree with this, that you're you're playing at the time in one of the best, if not the best, 1A districts in all of Tennessee high school basketball. Talk about the competition level because night in, night out, one thing, and I've always said that it starts with the coaches because the first three coaches I've always thought about in that district were Coach West, Rob Edwards at Clay County and Joseph Aminette at Pickett, you know, three just fantastic coaches. And there's plenty of others, Kevin Thomas at Jackson County and uh, Rodney Pyle at Clark Range when he was there. Uh, what else make that made that district so tough? I mean, the, the coaches, I think you're right. It does start with the coaches. They brought a lot of energy in for their players and everything was so competitive, you know, uh, especially you know, our big rivals, there was no secret that our big rivals were Pickett and Clay. I mean, we were rivals with everybody, especially, I mean, Clark Range and all that. Yeah. Um, Pickett and Clay were always the ones that we hated playing just because their guys were so competitive and they were so motivated. Um, it was pretty clear that those guys on that team loved the game just as much as anybody else did. And they were willing to sacrifice their bodies, their time and all that for the game. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talent that I think that gets overlooked that came through the area, you know, um, Dawson Abbott, even though he decided mm-hmm. not to play anywhere in college, he definitely could have. He's one of the best shooters that I've seen at the high school level, you know, f- through AAU, through all that, just the, his ability to shoot the ball, get open and get score. Um, it was pretty incredible. You know, obviously guys like Tyreek and even other guys that are overlooked like Landon Woodcock. Um, there was a, the big from Red Bulling Springs. I'm forgetting his name right now. I'm blanking on his name, but. Oh, I know uh, exactly who you're talking about too. Cause he, cause he got the district MVP award. I can't think of his name, but I'm sure it'll come to me later. Oh, uh, sorry. I cut out. What happened? No, I was saying, I was saying, I, I, know, I know exactly who you're talking about. And for some reason, I can't think of his name either. I can't, I can't think of it, but he was a big, he was incredibly mm-hmm. talented. He, car- he carried that Red Bulling Springs team. Um, I believe he's playing at a, at a D2 somewhere out West, but you know, there's a lot of talent um, that I believe that if the, the level was a little bit different or if the perception of the upper Cumberland, especially at the single A level, which is, you know, it's double A now, but the single A level, if it was perceived a little bit differently, um, you know, there might be a little bit more notoriety, but as it is, uh, those guys are kind of slept on. But the talent level, there was always at least one good player from every team that, you know, could torch on any given night. 
and really have the ability to, to score and play defense and, and lead their teams. Dalton Marsh, is that who you were thinking of? That's exactly what I was thinking of. Okay, I, I knew it started. I knew his name started with a D, but I couldn't think of it. But I think you're absolutely right in that every team, it seems like every year, there's somebody that that just has an incredible year or or just you know goes off every single game. Uh, who were some of your favorite matchups to go up against in in district play? Oh man, um, I love. I, I did like playing against Dalton Marsh as a challenge because when I was in high school, I didn't play against a lot of bigs. So it kind of got me out of my comfort zone to play against him when you, you know, you turn him, you, you make a post move, you turn and what would usually be like easy layup. And all of a sudden you're getting that beat out of bounds and you realize like, okay, I, I'm playing against the guy that's my size now who has a good athletic ability. So, you know, you got to step up your game a little bit, but also, you know, coach West did such a great job game planning for most of the teams we played. We watched a lot of film, which I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure a lot of high school teams do as much which I could be wrong about that, but we would, you know, have full film sessions and diagram and break down who we're going to play and how we're going to play them. Um, so it was, it was a, it was a new challenge every game we played and I loved it. Um, I loved it. For some reason, I love playing against Van Buren, obviously, because Caden Mills was there mm -hmm. and it was always a challenge. I, we had some of the most heartbreaking losses to them um, a couple of times, which really stick out my memory. They're kind of, they're kind of sore memories, but, um, and I loved playing against Clay. Uh, coach Edwards is coach Edwards is fantastic both as a person and as a coach um, and the way that he carries his guys and the way that he game plans and everything and for some reason I was always able to um, have a good game at clay uh, I don't know what it was but I usually played pretty well against them um, but those were some of my favorite matchups uh, you know you never the guys the guys in single a especially are so gritty you know like when you play against them on paper they might not be the most um you know, off the charts guys that are going to go play D1 somewhere, but they're gritty, especially the post guys like, you know, Jake Ashlock from Clay County when yeah. I was playing against them. And, you know, like guys like uh, guys like that are just, and and from Jackson County, they're bigs. It, it, they're a lot to play against and they get slept on, like I said before, but um, they were great matchups to play. They really helped, I guess, hone each other's skill, mine and theirs, hopefully. So now let's uh, talk about some of your favorite memories from playing at Monterey, because I know you've, you've got to have at least a couple, especially your senior year when, you know, it seemed like, you know, the team, the team around you was, was a pretty, pretty solid overall team. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of good memories. I think, I think in the aggregate kind of the overall idea that I hope that, um, you know, a lot of the people in high school right now are missing out is when you get out of school, even if you do play at the next level and you look back at your high school journey and you think a lot about the games and, and the in-game moments and the plays you make and the highlights and everything. But a lot of times too, my memory just goes back to just sitting in the locker room, goofing off with a bunch of guys that are, you know, a, a lot of them are my close friends now. Um, and just, you know, just doing nothing, sitting down, talking about nothing, goofing off, laughing. Um, those are always good memories, but, um, you know, obviously winning the region championship my senior year was a big one. I had a big game that game. Uh, I was able to, I think I had 15 or 17 points straight, um, in a, in a run in the third quarter by myself. That was, you know, that's always going to live in my memory. That was, uh, really fun. We had a little comeback win there. I uh, got some revenge on Clay County because they'd beaten <laughs> us a couple games before. And, uh, you know, there were just some some games would always stick out. And one thing I love too, is just having access to the game film. That's one of the great things about living in the digital age is that you can never relive the true memory of it, but sometimes you can go back and reminisce if you're feeling like you know, on a rainy day someday and you just want to go back and, and relive what it was like to kind of be part of a, a high school team that uh, where things were so carefree. 
And uh, I love the ability to go back and look at that. So what was it like to play at this play in the state tournament as well? Uh, you mentioned being on the 17, 18 team that went to uh, the state tournament. What was that like? And, and, and how, how much, how much did you enjoy being a part of the state tournament? It was uh, it was electric. I mean, really one of the big things that stood out to me was the, the amount of fans that travel. Uh, I don't remember what day we played on, but I believe it was just an average work day. And to see, you know, 200, 300 people come down to the to campus. You know, you go to the locker room before the game and you're thinking you're going to walk out and it's just going to be kind of relatively empty. And you come out at MTSU at the glass house and you look up and you see a sea of purple shirts and stuff. It's uh, it's pretty wild to think that so many people stopped what they were doing in the middle of the day to come support. And um, it was uh, it was a great time. But uh, overall, the atmosphere, there's nothing like it. Everybody there is serious, geared in, locked in. Um, we went in there my my senior year in the first round that we were supposed to play. We uh, weren't expected to win. We were actually picked, I think, by the Tennessee or the newspaper or whatever uh, publications. There was only one team at all the editors that picked us to win in the first round. It felt so good to beat the critics. And you, know, <laughs> you really felt you really felt like part of something bigger because you go in there and you, you have an interview that you sit down and you talk to uh, reporters and stuff afterwards. It makes you feel like you're really big time. But I, every part of it I loved. I mean, obviously, except going out in the second round, I didn't want to lose there. Felt like we had a really good team, but um, I guess you can kind of take solace in the fact that we lost the team that won it all. So, um, and I actually, funny story, I ended up playing um, at Brian last year. There was a guy from the team that beat us that ended up um, coming to Brian last year. His name was Amari, um, and he was on that team that uh, ended up beating us. And yeah, he never let me forget it. But, <laughs> Yeah, that kind of was unfortunate, but it's part of life, I guess. <laughs> so tell me then, what was, uh, speaking of Brian, what was the recruiting process like and why did you ultimately end up choosing Brian? Um, like I said earlier, I'm kind of a financially centered person, so I'd be lying if I didn't say the, that the, uh, the offer was a, was a big part of it. You know, it was very appealing to, to want to be able to go play on scholarship. Um, to be honest with you, though, I, my – like most of my basketball journey, my recruiting journey was a little bit different. I actually signed early in my, at the beginning of my senior year, which um, was kind of, uh, if I could do it over again, I might change things just because my senior year was where we really stepped up. Like I said, the differential between averaging eight a game, my uh, junior year, which is all the film and everything that the coaches had to go from that they recruited me on to averaging 17 the next year, I feel like I could have um, you know, maybe made a, a little bit of a bigger push uh, for where I wanted to go and improve some more. But um, to tell you the truth, you know, looking back on it and everything, it's it's hard to regret it because uh, I've had a lot of good times here at school at Bryan. Um, but the process was 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 pretty straightforward. Honestly, you got you play basketball. I, when I was thinking about being recruited in basketball, I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna have to go email all these coaches. I'm gonna have to do do all this. But in reality, you play good basketball. You be a good teammate. And, you know, you play in AAU and get engaged, people are going to find you. Um, and, you know, sometimes it is good to be proactive and go out and try to search for coaches. But a lot of times if you're doing what you need to do and you're playing like a good teammate, they're, they're going to find you. Coaches are. Um, and you just have to stay patient. So talk about your time at Brian then. Uh, what have you enjoyed about playing basketball at Brian? What are you studying right now? And, and what do you hope to do with all of it? So um, 
on the basketball side, it's been enjoyable this year. I'm having more fun than I've, I've had before. Um, and I'll explain why here in a minute, uh, mainly, you know, I didn't play a lot my freshman year. I, I barely played at all my sophomore year. I, I didn't get many minutes. And then last year and this year, I've kind of stepped into more of a, uh, a, a bigger role. I'm kind of the sixth man coming off the bench. Uh, we've got a lot of talented guys, uh, three pretty talented bigs. If, you know, if I can toot my own horn a little bit, but, um, <laughs> We have a three big lineup, which is pretty rare nowadays, especially in this level of college, you know, having like a rotation of three bigs. We play two bigs at a time always. Uh, and we really like attack the post. So, um, you know, for instance, the other day, I think we scored uh, 84 as a team and our three bigs combined for 60. So, you know, if that tells you a little bit about how how the game's played from our side, it's um, it's a little bit different. But I've enjoyed it. It's such a different it's such a different um, atmosphere. You know, all the people, like I said, all the people that are there want to be there. They're all competitive um, every day at practice is a fight. You're playing against guys that are just as talented as you are and who want your spot. But at the same time, are going to turn around at game time and cheer you on and uh, and clap for you and be supportive teammates. And, um, you know, the stakes are a lot higher. You, you can't make as many mistakes as you can in high school. Um, so you, you always got to be geared in and locked in. You can't take any game for granted. Um, and as far as my education goes, so, something kind of plays into what I'm doing now. Um, I graduated early. I graduated in three years. So last year I finished my undergrad. Right now I'm working on my master's, my MBA. Yeah. And um, through the a program at the school, I was going to get my MBA paid for regardless of whether or not I played basketball. So um, I made the decision to come back and play late this summer uh, for one last year. Well, in reality, I have one year of eligibility after this. But as far as I know, this is, you know, my last year coming in to play my fourth year. Um, and kind of like I'm not even really on scholarship. I'm just here because I want to be here. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so glad I did it because when you get that chance to look back and and, and understand that this is all a blessing, what you're what you're doing right now, the way that we're playing, going to games, I'm looking at this in, in the lens of, what will I be looking at it when I'm 40 years old and I'm looking back with all the nostalgia, you know, the bus rides that my freshman year were so, so long and arduous, you know, the eight hour trips. Now I don't hate them so much because I'm looking at like, Oh, this is kind of, this is kind of it. I get to enjoy it for what it is and not so much worry about everything else. I think I'd rather be doing. Um, and I think that shift in mindset is, is helped me enjoy it so much more from the basketball side. And it's, it's trans it's transitioned to the court as well. Um, for me being able to just let loose and play the game. I've always struggled with being nervous before games and, and wondering, you know, what are people going to think of me? How am I going to play today and getting in my own head? And when I look back at it, like, this is it, I don't have to worry about anything. That's when it really becomes fun again. And you can just let loose and play. And right now I'm having the best season I've had in my whole career, Brian. And I think that's due to that major fact. Mm -hmm. So what is it you're studying and what is it you're uh, trying to do with all of it? So I'm studying, um, I got my undergraduate in business administration with a marketing focus and I'm getting my MBA in marketing. So I'm fully specialized in the marketing field. And as far as I want to, what I want to do with it, um, I've got a few general ideas, you know, everybody dreads the kind of nine to five idea. I'd like to eventually go into real estate because I'm, I'm, you know, big into finance, but as for now, while I kind of would like to make some money and get a financial groundwork set for myself, um, you know, probably just finding a, a, either a marketing firm or just a company to work um, in their marketing department uh, to just to get some experience out of college. Um, I'm also looking at potentially trying to go 
um, into some form of multimedia. Uh, I love, I love anything to do with sports, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, sports marketing is kind of my dream, but everybody wants to do that. So you got to <laughs> really either have a lot of connections or do what you want to do. But um, right now I've kind of just got the floor open for what I, what I want to do. I want to be able to take the uh, advantage to, to take care of some things I want to do when I'm young. I want to be able to travel. I want to take jobs that I might not be able to take when I have a, a family. So um, just, you know, taking the opportunity to, to just be free with what I want to do. All right. So the way I love to close all these out, uh, give some free game to younger athletes out there. So for anyone who, for any younger athlete that wants to get to where you've gotten to where you're playing college sports, uh, what is some advice you would give them? And then what is also some advice you would give your younger self? Um, the advice I'd give for the, the younger generation that wants to play college athletics is um, to be honest with you, as, as you know, kind of corny and old school as it sounds, put down <laughs> your phone, put down, put down your distractions, um, because there's so much in life that wants to distract you from where you want to be. And that's not just in basketball. That's the case in everything you want to do. If you want to get good grades, if you want to join a certain education program, if you want a certain job, if, if there's a goal you have in mind, um, the entire world is going to distract you. Everything in our surroundings is made to distract us from what we want to do and what we need to do. Um, and trust me, you're not going to miss the days. You're not going to look back when you're 40 and, and miss the, all the times that you were scrolling through Instagram. You're going to miss the opportunities that you didn't take when you had the chance, when your body's young, now's the time. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. When, when you're young, when you have the world in front of you work, even if it's not going to pay off, you'll be glad that you did it. Whether it's, you know, whether you want to just get physically fit, whether you want to, um, have the aspiration to play a sport at the next level, whatever it is, just, just do it and put aside your distractions because the whole world's going to tell you, you can't do it and that you can't. And, uh, the whole world's going to try to make sure that they're right, that you can't do it and distract you from it. Um, but just be proactive, take the time that you would be spending entertaining yourself and, and do something, either improving yourself in the game, basketball wise, get in the gym, put shots up, or just learn, just read, uh, watch videos, just understand how things work outside of your own understanding. That's the best uh, advice I can give. And for my younger self, I would just tell myself to just enjoy things and not take the world so seriously, take the, take the game so seriously and just enjoy it for what it is. Because um, for a lot of my time, I, I, I'm a very goal oriented person. So I wanted to, you know, make it through in three years. I wanted to graduate early. I wanted to do all these things. And I realized that I was so focused on the goal that I was missing the path. And the path is what life is about. Um, to my understanding, as far as I know, as a, as a 22 year old, but um, you know, the path is what it's about and just enjoying everything, every little part of the trip and every part of the journey, because even the parts that feel like they suck in the moment really are what you're going to look back and, and, and miss about the entire journey. Well said, well, Michael, I appreciate you hopping on with me today. Uh, this has been the Legends Run podcast, and that was Monterey legend, Michael Cody. Thanks for having me, Rusty.